Hello, friends. Yeah, that was aggressive. I got a new mixer, a new microphone, so I feel like my voice is more aggressive than normal, which is hard to do, so apologize. Greg, on the ones and twos, if you're listening to this, actually, you have to listen to this because you're editing it. Just tone my voice down a little bit so I'm not terrifying people, so I'm not causing people to run off the road because they're jolted into paying way too much attention. Um, Welcome back to the episode of Be Here for a While. Today's episode of Be Here for a While is brought to you by Cosbox, Away Luggage, and Everlywell. All, I mean, all my favorites right there in one one fell swoop. So I'll, I'll tell you about those later. Give you a little discount code. Guys, I had the best time in Philly and Delaware. Thank you to everyone who came out to the shows. Thank you to everyone who sent me awesome recommendations on your city and to the ones that wanted to come to the show but they couldn't make it. I missed you, but I'll be back. I had the absolute best time. Um, From start to finish, like the shows were just a blast and I loved meeting you guys afterwards. And and also just like being in the cities were incredible. I feel like my Philly experience was everything I had hoped it to be and more. And let me just tell you why. So first of all, show was amazing. Um, but just so many like fun things happened. So I did morning TV, um, and, uh, that was just a blast. Uh, it was the QTV show and Rashid Wallace, the basketball player went on before me. I'm like, this is awesome. Um, I had a really fun time interacting with like the studio audience there. Like I came in a little hot. I was doing a lot of pointing and yelling at people. Like I was Celine Dion walking out on stage, but you know, whatever I do me. And then the next morning I did, I did a Philly, uh, classic rock radio show with John DeBella and um, uh, to promote the Wilmington shows, but you know, it it airs over there. And it was so awesome of Taylor to set that up. Thank you, Taylor. Shout out to you. It was so nice to meet everyone in the office. Um, And uh, yeah, uh, the only issue with that was, so I'm used to podcasting. Um, I've been on live radio many times before, but I do this every week. And so, you know, if I want to say fuck, I say it. Um, totally just accidentally said it on live radio and they were like, whoa, we got to dump that. And I was like, well, oh sh- shit, I'm so sorry. They're like, dump it again. I'm like, oh my God. Um, and they were, they were like, no, it's fine. We, yeah, that's why we, they record like slightly delayed or ahead of time or whatever so that they can then clear that. Um, but apparently it's like a $300,000 fine. I was like, oh no, I can't afford that. I, I wouldn't be able to pay you back for that. There's no... You know, I'm not, no, I can't. I'm really sorry. I promise to never do it again. They were very cool about it. They they actually thought it was funny, I guess. Um, but I was really embarrassed. Uh, so act like a lady, Rach. And my parents are telling me all the time not to talk like that. But you know what? When you're a comedian and you're around other comedians all the time and people that say it's just a word that kind of gets into your, in your head, but I'll try to be a lady. Um, that was really fun, really funny. Then we went to Wilmington, stayed at this really cool, old hotel called the um Hotel DuPont it was like I felt like I was like walking into like Louis XII's like stateroom uh it was like just kind of like ornately decorated it was very cool so that was awesome and then I got to have a full day off in Philly because it's hard to sort of just like have fun when you know that you have a show later so I didn't really like get to go to any dinners or anything like the the day before the shows but then we decided to stay uh an extra day so me and greg um 
got to explore Philly and we both because both of us work a lot and we were both like we're not going to get on our phones and do work it's Saturday let's enjoy our last day in this city and we had the greatest time like I feel like everything just like kind of kept falling into place like when I was when we were driving uh, we got an Uber back from Wilmington back to Philly and um I was talking to our Uber driver and he was suggesting like places to eat and da 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 and um We'd already made reservations for um, the Victor Cafe where they they do opera singing. Well, originally we had made it for Dante and Luigi's. And then I was like, I think I want some like opera singers, right? But I was like, but then I kept going back and forth because there's a whole mob history with Dante and Luigi's. And I was like, I definitely want to see a shakedown or a shootout where no one dies. Uh, or like, I don't know, maybe I want the mob to like want to be my friend. Maybe I want to be like, you know, I'd bring Greg along, obviously. But maybe I wanted to be like the hot girl they hung out with for the night, you know? Um, and you know, and I, listen, I say fuck on live radio. I'm tough. So I was like, just, I want to do just, I want to, I want to experience it. But then I was like with the opera singer. So we kept going back and forth, but we kept, we kept both reservations. Okay. So I was saying to our driver, I was like, you know, mob experience would be awesome. And telling Greg that and da, 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 da. So cut to, um, we're, we're in the area, uh, I think it's South Philly, where, in like, Passyunk area, uh, where the Italian market is. So, I wanted to go to the Italian market. We did that. Oh, also, before that, we went to go try uh, Jim's Philly cheesesteaks. And we walked all the way there. We walked, like, two miles there because we wanted to, like, see more of the city as we were walking. And we got there, and we were both starving. It was, like, 3 p.m., and we hadn't eaten. And there was a line around the block to go to Jim's. And I was, we were both really disappointed, but we were too hungry to, like, wait in line and also, I don't like lines. And and so I was like, all right. I was like, I got a plan. My plan was not what ended up happening. My plan was going to be, let's just get something like small to tide us over. And then we'll research another, like, even though you guys sent me a bunch of suggestions, we didn't want to go too far, another Philly cheesesteak place in the area. And then as I'm saying I have an idea, I look to my left and the restaurant across the street there's a sign that says we we serve Jim's cheesesteaks here and it was just like a sports bar uh and uh yeah you, we got in right away and I was like is this really the same thing they were like yeah it's the exact same thing I was like why would people wait in line he goes maybe they like the cold I don't know so we got to try it and not wait in line that was cool so then we're like go to the Italian market and then we're walking around some more and then I was like well let's go see what Dante and Luigi's looks like let's just go see it's like we're like well let's we're near Dante and Luigi's let's just go like check it out let's just go see you know like maybe we'll change our mind and that's what we'll end up wanting to do so it's like 6 p.m it's like too early for dinner because both of our reservations at both places weren't until 9 30 and so we walk there and like as we're walking up Greg's like start and I, I kind of notice like I see there's like a a Mercedes pulls up and then three guys that look exactly the same. Actually, they all looked kind of, I, I hope Jacqueline listens to this podcast and not that I'm saying Jacqueline's dad's in the mob. He's not, I'm sure. But they literally all looked like a version of my friend Jacqueline Marfucci's dad. Like it was like, it just that Italian East Coast, like, and, and by the way, they all looked identical, um, these guys. So I kind of noticed that they're getting out. I didn't see the first thing Greg saw that there was a runner, like just a little, just out of nowhere, like a, a younger, younger kid. There's no valet. There was no valet. Just like comes, runs, and like make sure they don't have to park their car or whatever. 
drives it off. So Greg starts like, tapping me in the back and I'm thinking like, does he, is he seeing a celebrity and I should not look or whatever? And then I kind of like glanced more and I was like, oh, he's talking about these guys are definitely in the mob. Like the, even just their mannerisms, the way they were just like, the way they had a runner, all, all of everything. And they kind of were staring at us. And so we walk in and we realize that there's not like a bar area to sit down. It's just like the restaurant. And so the host staff is, is pretty intense themselves. They were like, like no like you know but and we're like yeah we have reservations there they're like well you better be coming back later we're like sure yes we are we're not and so uh which i almost didn't want to go back after i saw that the mob was hanging out there so then we we walk out because it was just an in and out thing we're not going to sit down for dinner yet at 6 p.m we just had a cheesesteak and so um we walk out and the three mob dudes i'm when i say i'm a hundred percent certain um they were like, hey, why are you leaving? Why are you leaving? Because they obviously like run part of the restaurant. And they, you know, don't want patrons leaving. And we were like, we're like, oh, no, we have reservations later. We were just trying to see if we could have a drink or whatever. And they were like, starting early, getting drunk, come back drunk. And they were like yelling at us down the street. And we were like, do we, do they, do they know our name now? Do we have to go back? Like, are they going to? And I, every part of me wanted so badly to just go back and hang out there. And just be like, what could this night turn into? But then I was like, you know what? That might be the best experience I'm going to get from it is just seeing them, seeing like, you know, the exchanges, seeing the, like the way they were talking to us about like, hey, don't, don't leave the restaurant. Like, come back. Like, hey, come, come drink with us. Like, just it, it, I, it, I guess it was good that I did not go back later because I could have tainted like that I was trying to see it again. So that's great. And we end up deciding to go to um, the Victor Cafe for dinner. Um, and now, hmm, how do I, say, I this is this is a, this is touchy because I'm not making fun of the beautiful, just unreal singing these people were doing. It's just I've never been opera sang at at like I've never had someone just sing it at me. Actually, I've never even been to an opera. And that would be a lot for me anyways. I'm real. I'm thinking like, okay, this is just like someone just like does it kind of casually here in this restaurant. Like, that'll be great. Like, I'm not even sure I can handle a full opera performance where you have to like keep a straight face and handle it and whatever. Let alone an opera performance at your table right in your face. And I, when I say in my life, I've never had such bad nervous laughter that I was trying so hard to keep inside me because all I could think about when they first so this is how it's set up so every single person that works there is a trained opera singer every person every waiter your hostess everyone okay and they all take take turns singing throughout the night but you don't know like who's coming next or like and I'm thinking like okay everyone here's an opera singer like that you know that guy over there or what you know this person doesn't look at all like what you would expect um and so everyone, and yes, everyone takes a turn. Oh, and they have rules. I'm sorry. You can't be, you can't talk during them. And mind you, these are every 15 minutes at dinner. Okay. And they go on for about five to six minutes. So let's just go with 75% of your meal. They're singing at you. So you're not allowed to talk during it. No texting, no photos of them, no videos, all that. Okay. So, so the first gal that did it, she was the hostess. And it was like, oh, God, this is beautiful. This is amazing. Because I'm not having to see her, like, then uh, 
you know, drop the, my bread next time or like, you know, ask me if I'd, if I'd like another glass of wine or whatever. Like I'm not having to like interact. It was like, oh, okay, she's, it was like a, she's a performer. And yes, they all were performers, but it was just, so the first thing I then got in my head when the next person sang, which I think was our waiter. Yes, I believe it was. And in order to, you know, he didn't, you know, he's not trying to, you know, he's trying to get out of waiter mode. So there's just a red curtain that he, when I say like a one second, like, oh, now you see me, now I'm not. It was like, oh, and I'm back. And then all of a sudden he's singing. And all I could think about is it reminded me of like a Will Ferrell movie, like where they take something that just seems kind of a little ridiculous, like very serious, like the ice skating movie that Will Ferrell did or like Talladega Nights or just where it's like, it's, it's to such an extreme. And so that's what I was picturing. I was like, this needs to be an SNL sketch. Like, I'm writing this. It's hilarious. And then how the other, so one, and when I say they're not just singing, they're like, like grabbing a pole and spinning around it. And then, and then maybe like sitting down in a chair and then sitting up and then leaning into this table and, and their arms are like flailing around and they're practically crying because it's so emotional. And then when they're all doing that and they're taking up the room, they're using their space. And then the other waiters have to like awkwardly sort of like move around them and like try not to like get in the way of their performance. But the restaurant is like the size of my apartment. It, and trust me, I wasn't the only one. I saw there was a guy um, who had like a really big smile to like my, my right. And I saw him like, like physically trying to keep his lips over his mouth because he was, he was getting nervous laughter and he was doing like actively like, like trying to like kind of bite down and cover because he was like, you could tell he was about ready to just start busting out laughing. And you obviously can't because they're very talented. You don't want to hurt their feelings, but you feel uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. I've just, opera singing is meant for a theater. <clears throat> it is not meant to uh, be at you in your face to about five inches away. And then you can't talk the entire time. So stay tuned for that movie that I write. I'm copywriting it. That is 100% going to be a Will Ferrell type movie. Like, I, I see it no other way. Anyways, guys, um, <laughs> well, not for my podcast guest. Sorry that was such a long intro. It's just I really had a lot to get off my chest. Um, uh, uh, show dates. Uh, I, have, I have more dates up on rachelbrandcomedy.com. The big ones coming up are Detroit, February 19th, Long Island, March 28th. Boston March 29th and we're adding a bunch more so those are the ones I'm doing where I'm gonna do I'm gonna open with like 30 minutes of stand-up and then I'm gonna bring Kristen Doty up on stage and we're gonna live podcast together and then we're gonna do a Q&A and a meet and greet for the VIP ticket holders so it's gonna be a blast it's always fun to do it with a friend and travel with a friend and you know and uh yeah so I hope you guys come out to those and yeah so my guest today is an incredibly inspiring it's I mean I didn't, I knew her from E. I knew that she was an entertainment reporter. She's the most familiar face to me on E. It's Kat Sadler. But I didn't know, I didn't know her journey. I didn't know how ballsy and brave she's had to be. And like the, the biggest theme for me is she's taken a lot of uh, chances where she bet on herself uh, and believed in herself. And uh, it worked out. You know, because she could have just been nervous and thought like, okay, well, maybe this isn't going to work out. I should just got to stay in this position and be unhappy or whatever. And um, and it, it it's worked out for her. And, she, and she, she's just an inspiration, I think, to all women. And she's a big 
a proponent of the Time's Up movement. Uh, as you guys probably know, she left her job at uh, E! News because she found out that her co-host was making twice what she was making for the sa exact same job. And so, um, yeah, she's just super interesting. She's very sweet. Um, so without further ado, give it up for Kat Sadler. Kat Sadler, thank you so much for doing this. It is my pleasure. Thank you. You're the podcast queen. So. Uh, am I? I think there's a lot of other ones too, but... <laughs> Today you are. Thank, okay, I appreciate that. <laughs> thank you. I brought you here to compliment me. Yes. Very nice. I'm good at that. So I uh, have been doing like some pretty heavy research on who you are. Like I have known who you are obviously from E! but I did not know your background. And I, I feel like that made you one of the most interesting people to, to learn about like how you bet on yourself, how you came. I didn't realize you were 31 when you decided to move to Hollywood. And I think that for my listeners, it's really inspiring to hear any type of story of anyone that, you know, bet on themselves many times in your career. So can we talk mm -hmm. like from the beginning of your career, how mm -hmm. did you get into all this? Yeah, basically, I'm old. You're right. <laughs> you are not old at all. No, I'm oldish. I'm oldish. But no, I I love that you brought that up because I could have been 31 and been like, okay, I'm content. I was a, a big fish in a small sea in Indianapolis, where I'm from at the time. I'd already done 10 years of local news, but but I did. I definitely listened to the call or the purpose or the itch that I think so many of us have to to do more to see if I could grow my broadcasting career but to answer your question i um i again was born and raised in the midwest mm -hmm. and i have a pretty traditional upbringing i was from a small town called martinsville how I went, far is that from indianapolis indianapolis so is central indiana mm -hmm. and um i did i i i grew up i was raised in indianapolis until I was about 11. So okay. I did have a little city life in me. And yeah. then my mom and my stepdad decided to take us to Martinsville, which was about an hour south of Indianapolis because of my mom's job and all of her family was there and they were in the real estate business. So my mom was kind of shifting her job. And so in sixth grade, I moved to super, super small town, Martinsville, Indiana. Mm -hmm. It wasn't super foreign to me because I did have family there, but then I kind of went from like, ooh, city life. It doesn't sound like much, but yeah. it was. It was very diverse, and yeah. we were no, in an I've, urban was, area. Yeah, I've yeah. Been to Indianapolis recently, and it, it's a city. I'm from it a is. very small town, so that is a city. To yeah, me. It, yeah. Very, it very much was, and so I I appreciate that part of my upbringing because it definitely was. It did expose me to a lot, mm -hmm. even though again it is the Midwest. But for the Midwest, it was city life. I did grow up with a lot of different ethnicities around me and different socioeconomic people in my neighborhood, like. It was a good group it, mm -hmm. to, to grow up around. And then I did then pivot to like super small town, very whitewashed. How small? Like how many people? Well, it was it was some 30 or 40,000 people. So it wasn't like that's, one that's stoplight. Yeah. But it was very one note. Okay. I'm, I, when I say white, it was very white. And, and when I say like, like, there weren't, there wasn't even like a Jewish person within That's how miles, my town was. Right. So yeah, my like same, well, my town was like 3000 people. I went to high school and yeah, like n almost no diversity. Yeah. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. It was, um, it was nice on the sense that it was very close knit and you kind of knew everyone. I think it was safe for the most part. I had a, a great community that I knew and loved. Um, but it always felt a little like suffocating. 
Yeah. I mm-hmm. even think I knew that having not traveled the world or really went anywhere, it felt suffocating to me. I did have a period in my junior year of high school. My mom got remarried and we moved to Carmel, Indiana, which uh-huh. was back up in Indianapolis. I was back in the city and I was like, okay, this is so night and day different. I was my junior year of high school. I was in a super affluent um, privileged zip code. Basically mm-hmm. it's kind of like the 90210 in Indianapolis, oh, wow. Carmel, Indiana. And so I was really a, a chameleon. I, I learned really early to adapt in any situation. Mm-hmm. My mom got remarried. So we were in a new household. I didn't know how I was felt that about that. Was that hard for you? The divorce part? Um, yeah. I mean, my mom and dad divorced when I was two. So she was remarried and this was actually her third husband by the time I was 16. I just died. I not want <laughs> proposal my entire life. People are just getting married. It's, it's so funny. On my way to you today, I was having mm-hmm. lunch with my mom and she's been listening to my podcast. She's like, how many times are you going to say I've been married five times? Five? She, <laughs> yes. Good for her. So I have to have her back on to explain yeah. her, her Elizabeth Taylor life that she's lived because... My mom is stunningly beautiful and incredibly, thank you. But she is so smart and so, she was like ahead of her time in a lot of ways. And so I think she definitely suffered from a little love addiction and whatnot, but she Mm -hmm. had men falling all over her her whole life, frankly. Um, So, and with that though, does come some dysfunction and some battles and she had kids and everything else. So by the time I was 16, she was on to Philip my least favorite of them all. I don't even care if he hears I mean, this. The name Philip, I doubt Philip's <sighs> listening. I highly doubt it. But I the hate, name Philip also just. I hated Philip. Yeah. And I a... don't use that word for many people. Really? I didn't like him. Maybe it had something to do with me being 16. Was he just like a jerk? Or was he? Yeah. 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 I think he, I think he mentally and emotionally abused my mom. For sure. It's and, a weird one where it's like it doesn't, it, it, because it's not maybe outward physical abuse, people mm-hmm. don't necessarily recognize. I feel like it's like a, like a slow kind of cancerous thing that mm-hmm. like eats away at someone mm-hmm. and you just don't necessarily know that it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. That was him. He did some real damage. And, and as we do, as strong as I said my mom is and driven and smart and successful, you know, it takes one wrong person to Mm -hmm. disassemble all of that. And she kind of, she become, she became someone else and became soft and vulnerable and made some bad choices. And we were at any event, we were in Carmel, Indiana. I had changed schools and then I was kind of living that life. So I, Mm -hmm. I think the funny part is to bring it back full circle to my career and what I do for a living, all of that has ended up serving me because Mm -hmm. I always like to joke that like I would be fine interviewing royalty or maybe the president, but I'm also just as intrigued by the like gas attendant at the gas station. Totally. Or the valet. I relate to that so Do much. You? Sometimes I find those people even more interesting yeah. because they have like a different story of mm-hmm. that's not just straight privilege, even though no. privilege comes with very interesting stories as well. But mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I find I'm totally relate to that. Because you kind of like you can become a chameleon in your life depending upon what you're exposed yeah. to. And so that's a certain muscle. And I think you learn that over time. And so I definitely did through that. Um, But I ended up choosing college just down the road, Indiana University, which is in Bloomington, Indiana, which is 20 minutes from Martinsville. I was also just there. You were there? Yeah, because that's where my boyfriend went to school. So we took me to go see it. First time? Yeah. What did you think? It was really nice. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. It's cute. Small. Yeah. Yeah. College town. Yes. Were you there during school session or was it like summer? 
Uh, I or... mean, it was only like a few weeks ago. So, okay. Yeah. And, okay. It, and it was oh, like, it's a yeah. beautiful we were only there for one night. But anyways. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you need to go back. Yeah. I, I swear by Bloomington, Indiana, it might be my favorite place. Really? I mean, it is very charming and it's it's very college town. It's stunningly beautiful this time of year. But the the crazy thing is, is that the small town I grew up in, with the, which I was describing to you, which is completely whitewashed and kind of this bubble, mm-hmm. all of 10 miles down the road is this international university where people from all over the world come to study. And I mean, my my roommates and the people I met and like it was so diverse and so for me it was like this world opened up and it was like oh thank god because I knew there was more I didn't know it was gonna be 10 minutes down the road um I didn't have to go far but then I went to Indiana University I think I really started living for the first time I was alone I could make my own choices I was incredibly independent and I was falling in love with all the various cultures there and the experiences. So college was amazing. Mm -hmm. It was really, really cool for me. I didn't um, declare my major of broadcast journalism until about my junior year. I had been a performer kind of my whole life. I'd been in all the plays and musicals. I knew I loved theater. Did you want to be an actor? I did. I I did. Mm -hmm. But when you're from a place like that, that seems like a real pipe dream. And it seems like... For me, at least then, it was like as if. You know, I, I, I did. I I loved, like I was uh, Little Red Riding Hood in my first play in fifth grade. Those were my happiest, happiest moments was playing make-believe. And mm-hmm. I did that with all my friends at home. That's what we did for fun, mind you, pre-phones and pre-video games and pre-any of that technology. Yeah. You had to do that to entertain yourself. Yeah. So I was directing and I was, all my cousins were in plays and I, I loved doing that, playing make-believe. But for some reason, when I got to college, I was like, you can't, I don't know. I just, that didn't seem like the right path. And it my, doesn't seem feasible. Like I, yeah. that's how I was too. Like I was like, I almost got a communications major. And then I was like, I switched and I was like, I'll just get poli sci. Cause I can just get out of here quickly. Cause that's what the athletes took as a profession. So I was like, if they can get, if they can do it, I you can, can do, do it. it. Were you an athlete? No, but it was like an easy major. Yes. It's funny you say that because I ended up. Uh, my BA is in journalism, but my concentration was political science oh, yeah. or comparative politics, actually, yeah. specifically. But Which that, seems like it goes with communications. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of rounds you out. You learn or a little journalism. bit about everything. Yeah. Um, but I, it took me a minute to figure that out. I, I was obsessed. This was like Oprah's prime time in the uh, you know early 90s she had come on the scene I was obsessed with her and what she was doing what she stood for I was watching the Today Show with Katie Couric mind you all you had was TV back then mm-hmm. and those were those were my mentors and the people that I looked up to and the people that I kind of connected with mm-hmm. so then my mom did one of those what are you going to do with your life? And I was like, I'm going to do that. Let's just see how that works out. And was she supportive of it? Or was she like, "Ah, that's a hard thing to do? Not at all. My mom was, this is your calling. You are Oprah. I mean, to this day, (laughs) my mom was like, girl, you're Oprah. I'm like, mom, that job is taken. (laughs) Well, you can can be the other Oprah. (laughs) I think I'll be the next generation. Do you know when something is even better than you thought it could possibly be? Like it sounded awesome. But then when you receive it, you're like, oh, this is the coolest thing ever. 
That's how I felt when I received my cause box. So I got to tell you guys about it. I was so excited to get it and it's so much better than I thought. It's filled with products that I use every day and adore and some things that I didn't even know I needed and now I'm obsessed with. And the crazy thing that the products inside are more than 70% off retail. So cause box is a quarterly four times a year, subscription box curated by women for women. I love that. The focus focuses on showcasing amazing products that are ethical, sustainable, and have a positive mission to give back and make the world better. I just love that. That sets them apart. I absolutely love it. And every Cosbox is limited edition. The last three boxes sold out within days. And the current fall box is the best box yet with over $300 worth of items for $50. And let me tell you what's inside my fall Cosbox. First of all, I said this before, I've been obsessed with Nichelle jewelry for the longest time. It's the only rings I, I normally wear, but I never owned a necklace from them before. And guess what? Nichelle jewelry and necklaces were in there. And the cool thing about Nichelle is they give back 10 meals to those in need for every necklace sold. Isn't that incredible? The other great stuff that were in there were um, uh, Malin and Gautier's recovery treatment oil, a 10-piece makeup brush collection. I needed new makeup brushes, and it's all in one beautiful package that I can travel with. Uh, amazing smelling white cactus candle. The list goes on. Oh, and they also have, they gave a full-size duffel weekender bag. And the bag would have cost over $100 by itself, but it's in there with tons of other products. It's incredible. And the experience of getting and opening a cause box is just the best part. Their boxes are designed by independent female artists. It's so exciting to open them. And it's like you feel like you got yourself a huge bundle of gifts. And we deserve to treat ourselves, but it's also a great gift for the loved ones in your life around this gift giving season. So I have an offer for my listeners. You guys can go to www.causebox.com. That's www.causebox.com and use the code BEHERE30 to get 30% off your first box. Okay, so go get the Fall Cause Box before it sells out. I can tell you firsthand, you're gonna love it. And use code BEHERE30 to get 30% off. Yeah, no, my mom's always been my, my biggest supporter, my biggest cheerleader, almost to a fault in the sense that when I was really young, she was always like, you can do anything. You can be anything. I don't like, think there's any way that's to a fault. That's a wonderful well, thing. Well, like I knew I wasn't going to be an astronaut, yeah. but my mom would have told me I could have been an astronaut, yeah. but I probably couldn't have been. A, you know what I mean? Like just that, that undeniable belief yeah. in, in your children, I guess. But do you feel like that's how you had the confidence to make all the different leaps and uh, that you have? So, uh, so you got into you know, so were you immediately working at a news station? Like how did that all come about yeah. after school? Yeah. Um, I got an internship my junior year cause I was also in a band full time. Okay. All girls band that girl. That was not what I was guessing. The gypsies. Awesome. I mean, I was yes. like at the makeup counter at Nordstrom. I was in an all girls <laughs> band. I was an intern. I mean, I was what, all over the place. Did you sing, play instrument? What were you? Well, I sang, but mind you, this was like the height of the Spice Girls. So this we had a lead awesome. singer. We had three girl backup singers. I was in a full on band. Did I you guys perform? Loved it. Hell yeah, girl. I made a lot of local money at a lot of bars and a lot of New Year's Eve parties and a lot of corporate events singing cover songs. So you're just, you're a natural performer. That like was it. I loved performing, but I wasn't the next Mariah Carey. So my mom said to me when I was 20, she's like, are you going to pursue music? Or are you going to pursue TV? And I said, 
we both know I'm not that good of a singer. Like I can fake it pretty good. Like I mean, no offense, J Lo has made a career out of performing, right? Oh, and yeah, and she, a lot she's of no have. Celine Dion, right? Yeah. But back then, it was like, yeah, I think I'm gonna go TV. I love people's stories. I love asking people questions. To me, that seems like a, a more viable future. Mm-hmm. So that's when I declared my major. That's when I secured my first internship at a local TV station in Indianapolis. And that's when a whole world opened up to me because I was like, oh, I'm writing and I'm editing and I'm working with cameramen and women. And that, you know, when time stands still because you love something so much at a young age, I was just like, I could do this in my sleep. I loved what I was learning. And so that was when I really knew that the broadcast journalism path was the one I was going to follow. And how, how quickly did you become an on-camera personality? Well, I, I got some really lucky breaks early on. Indianapolis is considered to be the 24th or 25th largest market. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times when you go to college and you go this route, you have to go to the middle of nowhere and go to a really, really small town to be on camera. Mm-hmm. But I was so relentlessly uh, proactive and I would put myself on tape and I was showing the news director my videos every day and I was kind of begging aggressively for any opportunity. Mm-hmm. There was a segment that came about called Youth Matters and it was about teens in Indianapolis and the issues they're going through and it was once a week. And he said, would you want to front this story every week, every Wednesday night on the news at 10? And I was like 20 and I was like, yes, this is amazing. That's really cool. It was so cool. And so I had a producer who wrote most of it, but I could front the whole thing. We got to build a set. I mean, I remembered that so vividly because two things, (laughs) this is hilarious. One was I I was always Kathy Sadler, but my nickname was Kat, Mm C-A-T. And that was the first time a producer, a female producer said to me, she was like, you should add a T to your name. She's like, cat sounds too feline. It sounds too animalistic. If you're going to stand out and you're going to have a career, uh-huh. add a T. And Shelly Trial, shout out to her now, 20 some years later. I remember like losing sleep over if I should be Cat Sadler on TV. And I did add a T and that's how that happened. Yeah, it's distinct. It makes it distinct. Yeah, it was like a little more interesting. It sounds very Hollywood for Indianapolis, but that is how Cat became Cat with two Ts. And then I remember this was 97 or something. BB. BB the clothes. BB uh, Bebe. What do you call it? BB or whatever. whatever. I don't know. That's a, Yeah. That was the height of BB. Like you, you got to imagine, like I had no money. I used to, I used to wear BB. It's uh-huh. real trashy. Why would like, I know it went, why? it took a turn. Did yeah. it not? Yeah. But at the time it had the craziest like pantsuits and blazers. That's true. It would have been good for that. Yeah. I guess. And it would have been good for like a hot on camera outfit. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And so I remember my news director saying to me, if you want this job of being the face of the youth matters segment on the 10 o'clock news, we're going to test you, go out and, you know, get camera ready. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to get you with the crew, build the set, the whole thing from scratch. Sounds silly now, but I went out and I bought the most expensive suit from BB, more than I could afford on credit. And I rocked it and I had a little segment and the news director liked it. And that was the beginning yeah. for me. And then, so, so then you, I, I listened when I was listening to your, um, uh, your things you didn't know about me segment on your podcast. So you got uh, engaged and had a, a kid at 26, right? Mm-hmm. Your first kid. Mm-hmm. Now, were you actively still at the news station on air? Was that? Yes. Because motherhood and careers played a, a big role in your life. It yeah. seemed like and the two things intersecting. So big time. How was that? Were you 
do you take time off when you're mm-hmm. pregnant on the TV? What, how does this all work? Right. Well, at that point, that was about five years later. So after Indianapolis, I did secure my first real full-time entertainment reporting job in San Francisco. My college sweetheart moved with me, Kyle. We got engaged, we got married, and we had my first, our first son, Austin. And after he was born, I was 26, and I had this great job uh, in San Francisco, like doing lifestyle and fashion and entertainment, all the things I wanted to cover. Um, but I was a new mom and I was having massive anxiety about throwing this baby of mine into daycare, expensive, mm-hmm. like coverage every day to be away from him. So we made a, a decision as a couple that I would take one year off. And that was hard. That was, um, that was me just physically being so wrecked by, I had a really terrible pregnancy too. I had preterm labor. I was on bed rest for a long time. So that was a matter of me going, whoa, I know my body. I know my, everything is off. I'm not well enough. The show can't go on. Mm -hmm. And I was young. I I just had to say, I'm going to step away, which I think is really healthy and really smart i think a lot of people might not do that mm-hmm. now were you scared like so in the segment i listened to on your podcast you you mean you, my podcast naked yes your podcast <laughs> naked um you said that you were like okay well do you think anyone will ever hire me again like it's a mom taking time off and mm-hmm. like uh, i don't have kids uh i'd like to if it works out i'm getting a little old now but we'll see um that does, no such thing. Well, if I can still do it, you can still do it. People are having so. kids in their 50s. Come on. That seems a little aggressive. It might be. And yeah. it's not easy, but it is possible. Yeah, it's possible. But did you feel like, because, yeah, because I relate to that where it's like, okay, well, when I do have kids, like, do I, I can't tour anymore. What happens? Do you take time off? What do you, so how did you, how did you go into that and think like, well, I need to do this. And if I just never get hired again, I never get hired again. Well, like how, how did, well, where did the bravery come from and where did the, what were you thinking? That's a good question. I think, uh, thankfully I had enough support in my life, bringing it back to my mom. I, it's funny. I think when you know you're doing what you were supposed to do, and maybe you can call that meta or maybe like super woo woo or whatever, but I, I've always been that person who's really dialed into my, my kind of moral compass and what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. I'm very, I'm an empath. Like I've always just been, I'm bad at a lot of things. I'm not a great organizer. I'm not particularly business savvy, but I've always been in tune with what I'm here to do. Mm -hmm. And TV was it. Mm-hmm. people was it understanding other people's stories was it that's why I'm here mm-hmm. I believe that now even 20 years later there's a certain maybe gift would maybe be like an, a reach but like that's what I know oh, I no, know I how to understand is, people I think there's a definite gift to that I think yeah. there's a lot of people that are not empaths right. and not good interviewers right. and are just going through the right. motions someone said to me the other day like give me the tips I was like I actually just care about people like yeah. I actually care what they're saying mm-hmm. that's half the battle some yeah. people just don't give a shit and go through the motions it's a job it's a paycheck I genuinely care so I think all of that combined with my hormones and my new mother season of my life and and just knowing that I was 
meant to do this, even though my producers and news directors at the time were like, oh, she's going to quit and she's going to go be a mom. Well, good for you. And they were, I think they really did wish me yeah. well. But it's like, yeah. It was she, insulting. Like, like she's never going to come back yeah. and do this. Like, but I was yeah. like, the fuck if I'm not. And did I, that light a fire oh, under your ass a little sure. bit? Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Because yeah. I knew... I was supposed to be doing this. I knew I was good at this. I knew that, you know, that was, I had gone to San Francisco. I was reading the prompter on live TV and I wasn't particularly good, but I, I had five years under my belt. I knew I was on the right path and I knew that, you know, this was just a, a blip. It wasn't an easy decision, but I thought I will be back. I will prove everyone wrong. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Give me mm -hmm. one year. And even my mom was like, I love that. I took a year with you, with your brother when he, you know, he was born, like take a year and so it was just a real like definitive decision where I said, okay, give me a year and, mm -hmm. and everything did align. I know that's not easy for a lot of people. You can't just up and quit your job. You know, you might need the money. You might not be able to survive without the money. We had to move back to Indiana to pull that off. Mm -hmm. Um, but as fate would have it, I think Austin was like eight, nine months old. And I got a call from a producer at the TV station I had interned at some six, seven years earlier who said, hey, we're doing a morning show now. Want to come in and play on TV? I was like, yeah. And, and that, that call just came out of nowhere. Out you of weren't nowhere. like putting the feelers out? Not at all. I think that's kind of like the universe rewarding you. Like I yeah. know that that sounds woo-woo of me to say that, mm -hmm. but like I believe that when you bet on yourself mm -hmm. or do some self-care, if you can't push forward and whatever you're doing at the moment, you need to take care of your kid. Like I think that things will show up. I could not agree with you more. It's hard for people because you can't see it and you can't touch it and mm -hmm. it's not promised. But I fully believe that if you live in fear and if you hold so tight and you don't let go, it is debilitating. Mm -hmm. If you let go and leap forward in faith, in your own abilities, in your own passions, purpose, talents, all that stuff, it will meet you on the other side. And that's exactly what happened. I wasn't operating in desperation or I'll never get a job again. And mind you, TV broadcasting is very competitive. There are a million people that would do that job for free. But I did get that call do you want to come play on TV in one once a week? Which, by the way, is great for a new mom. Yeah. Oh, I can go to be on TV once a week. I, I dipped in for one week and then it was a couple more weeks. And before I knew it, the crazy part of that story was that on the day that Austin turned one year old on March 8th, 2002, I signed a full-time contract. I was back on TV full-time. So I'm, I'm sure it's a, a myriad of things, you know, uh, aligning, but I was ready to answer the call and I did. And it was, it was really great. So and that's kind of a better version in. of yourself at that point too. Like, yeah, I didn't it, have guilt. I yeah. didn't like feel bad that I missed my son's first year. You know, we made adjustments. I'm not saying that it wasn't hard. My husband had to like change jobs and we, you know, downsized and Indianapolis is not as sexy as San Francisco. You know, we gave up some stuff. Yeah. Uh, he had this great job in the Silicon Valley, but we were like, okay, let's just do this for now. It felt right. And we listened to all that. And then, yeah, it all, it all worked out. I feel very, very grateful and fortunate yeah. that happened. Okay. So as you guys know, I am obsessed with away luggage. It's all I will travel with, all I will carry. And I just got my boyfriend obsessed with away luggage himself. I let him borrow one of my carry-ons for our trip to Philly and Delaware. He just kept commenting about how cool he felt and how stylish he felt and how much he loved the bag. Now, obviously, I have to get him one for Christmas. But, like, it's if you, you try it once and you're like, oh, my God, I just... 
look at me being an adult making these great decisions with a beautiful suitcase that's lightweight and durable. And the great thing about the Away carry-on and all-away luggage is they have a 100-day trial, so you can try any Away product on the road. But you're not going to want to return it because it's the greatest. It's my favorite travel companion, really, besides other humans. <laughs> it has a limited lifetime warranty, which means they'll fix or replace your bag if it ever gets damaged. And it has four 360-degree spinner wheels guaranteed for a smooth ride. I can, like, I decide sometimes not to get an Uber if I'm dropped off on a train or something and my hotel's maybe like a mile away. I'm like, I need some exercise. I'll take my away luggage with me. It's comfortable. It's smooth. And the cool thing is they have an ejectable battery to keep your phones charged. That's how I charge my phone mostly throughout my whole trip because it will charge a phone up to five times. I just love my away luggage and they have free shipping on any order within the United States. And they know that everyone has a different travel style. So it comes in array of colors, sizes, and, um, you know, you can also just pack a lot in an away carry on for, I can travel for, I would say five to probably seven days with just an away carry on. So I don't know. The proof is there. And I have an offer for my listeners. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash BeHere20 and use promo code BeHere20 during checkout. Okay, so that's $20 off a suitcase. Visit awaytravel.com slash BeHere20 and use promo code BeHere20. You will not regret it. Also, makes a great holiday gift. So jump to when you were then you'd, be, you'd now been at that, that station for a while. So mm-hmm. probably like what, four year, four or five years yep. later. Mm-hmm. How, what made you think like, you know, it's Hollywood now. I'm just going to go to Hollywood. Yeah. I have, were you still married at this point? Yes. Okay. So you got, I'm like, you're yeah. got, I got kids. I got a husband. Let's just yeah. bring everyone to the most, one of the I most know. expensive cities in oh the world. Gosh. It's so funny. Kyle and I were still married. We had Austin and then my younger son, Orion by now, mm-hmm. he was about nine, 10 months. And what had happened... That young, too? uh Uh-huh. I know. I'm impressed by you. I had been back in Indiana for about four years at this point, and I was getting that same feeling that I had the first time, which is, this isn't my place, right? Mm -hmm. These are my people. This is my family. I love it. I'm connected to the earth. I wouldn't trade my upbringing for anything. I, I got so many wonderful virtues out of being raised there, but it was like this itch. It was like this restlessness, and so... um my job then on that morning show on the Fox affiliate had been taking me to New York and LA more regularly. Mm-hmm. So these movie junkets, are you familiar with what that is? Yeah. So for people listening, that's, you know, every time a movie comes out, the press from all over the country gets invited to interview the stars of the movie and the director and everything. Because I was an entertainment reporter for a Fox affiliate in a pretty big market, we would get invited to New York and LA. And I was the first person to be like, yes, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. I had friends in New York and LA also. So I would travel maybe once a month or once every six weeks for a weekend to go do these interviews. And I would come to California and I was like, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. And the weather and the trees and the people and the, those interviews kind of awakened me more than frankly, the fairground interviews I was doing or the knitting interviews I was doing or the uh, state fair, whatever it was at the time. Kind of hard to be interested in knitting. (sighs) When they're like, here's Johnny Depp on Saturday. And then maybe we go out to, you know, the new opening of the latest, I don't know, burger joint in Indianapolis. I mean, it was no question. Right. So 
I was doing these interviews. I was so on fire for what I was doing. I loved doing it. I felt like I was pretty good at it. There is an art to, here you go, four minutes with Julia Roberts. Make it work. I mean, it seems like you might be a little nervous. Were you ever nervous? Oh, for sure. I still am. Yeah. Yeah. I, of course, nervous. I mean, I was nervous for you to come over here. Oh, gosh. Like, oh, that's silly. No, but that's just sort of like any podcast. Yeah. You know, it's like any I get interview, nervous you like you want to like, you know, you want to do a good job. You want to ask me. Right? Like, yes. Agreed. You know, not that you're not Julia Roberts, but having it be Julia Roberts would be like, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> like, I know it's be care- It's that whole thing. Be careful what you ask for. Cause I did that same thing with Jennifer Lawrence for my podcast. I was like, I'm going to ask her. She said she'd do it. And then she said she'd do it. I'm like, shit, I have to actually interview Jennifer Lawrence in my bedroom. And then all that like gets in your head, but you have mm-hmm. to do it anyway. Yeah. I do understand that. But I was so on fire with those interviews. I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. And Mm -hmm. so with two kids living on a cul-de-sac in Indiana, I was 31 years old. My husband at the time um, was working the the finance side of a fashion company with my brother, which was manufactured in LA. So I was traveling a lot uh, to LA. He was traveling a little bit. And I remember, this is one of those, again, my mom comes into the story where I was like, walking my kids with the strollers on a Saturday. And I just said, you know, what if there's something more? And again, I was making great money, local TV, had a great job. I was on like the magazine covers in Indiana. Mm -hmm. That could have been a really nice life, but it, for whatever reason, it just, my whole being was like itching. Yeah. So I called my agent in New York and I just said, you know, I'm doing all these trips. Like, what if we just saw what was out there? And I would watch E. I'm mean, like anybody and everybody else in the late 90s. I yeah. mean, that was what I watched. I would watch the red carpet. I would watch Juliana on E! News Live, I think, mm-hmm. at the time. And Steve Kometko and all these old names <laughs> on E! And But I would watch them. Mind you, this was 10 years into my career. Mm-hmm. I was like, I could do that. I was like, why am I not doing that? That looks fun. She has a great dress. I she think, has glam. I think that's a great question anyone in any, any industry can ask themselves. Like... Like, uh, it's kind of like bigger dummies have accomplished it before. Like, why can't I do that? I mean, what? Trump's president. Yeah, exactly. Like it was that mentality. Yeah. You might as well like, go for it. I mean, shoot. Right. Yeah. Like that's where what I was. What makes them any different than me? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so my agent was like, well, you know, and the next time you're there, we'll set up some meetings. And it happened so fast. Again, I feel like when all that stuff aligns, it's like that law of effortlessness. Mm-hmm. This is where I'm supposed to hit go. Because there was very little, if any, like resistance. Everything kept happening in the right way. Yeah. And like one meeting was like, oh, the head of casting at E happened to go to IU. Yeah. I mean, all these things. I was like, you got to be kidding and me. And why do you think that is? You, just because you put your faith in it? Like, what do you think the... I don't know. You know, they say that. What's that saying? You know, you look back and you'll realize it all wasn't random. You mm-hmm. know, I, I don't know. I Maybe it's already predestined. Maybe yeah. it's all already set out. I mean, that's happened a lot in my life where I can't explain it. There's no religion to frame it I, I maybe it's being on the right frequency maybe we already lived this life maybe it's already predetermined I don't know because I don't have all the answers but even the way I left E all those years I would say I wonder what it's gonna look like when I leave what's my departure gonna look like and now looking back it's like oh now it all makes sense this mm-hmm. was all supposed to happen it was a sucky situation but this was my story this was mm-hmm. always gonna be my story and yeah. I couldn't have predicted it uh, it wasn't even particularly nice but this was how I was supposed to go on the fold and be used. So I think because if you're, if you're on the frequency again, I don't have any real way to explain it, but it feels like when, you know, when like you're just, 
you have really crap, a crappy day and everything goes wrong and you maybe made a certain choice and then it's that domino effect where everything goes wrong. Mm -hmm. It's like the energies attract the energies or, or maybe you were shitty to somebody and then, and then you attract it and then you knew you lied and then you're ugly and then you talk the wrong way to somebody at the checkout line and then by the way, it comes right back at you. Mm -hmm. It was kind of the reverse of that. It yeah. was like, I was like, what if... I'm going to dream this. I'm going to believe this. I'm going to show up. I'm going to go to those interviews. I'm going to be my best self. I'm going to write down all these affirmations. I'm going to tell myself I deserve every ounce okay, of so this. You and were, then it you were actually doing affirmations. Oh God. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I was in the school in my twenties and early thirties for sure. And still into this day, which was, I think a little pre, you know, we're in the era of Brene Brown and, and all of us trying to be vulnerable and, 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 and trying to really manifest yeah. what we deserve. All of us deserve it. But I think that was a bit ahead of its time because Oprah was even introducing self-care in the late 90s, early mm -hmm. 2000s, and people were feeling really guilty about it at the time. Mm -hmm. That was like a dirty word yeah. back then. Mm -hmm. It's like, why would I put myself at the top of the priority list? I have kids. I have a family. I have all this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I was in the school of Oprah. Mm -hmm. I was like... We have to love ourselves. We have to champion for ourselves. We have to write down every day, like yeah. why we deserve it and all this stuff. So no one else is going to do it for you. No. Besides maybe if you have really good parents, like yeah. you had a good mom and I have great parents, like, you know, like that's kind of it or a good partner. But for the most part, even then you got to champion for yourself. You know, it's you like, you do. And yeah. it's so it's, it's like the most powerful thing you can do without a real tangible thing to touch. Mm -hmm. And I'm, it's not lost on me that I had a really supportive mom because as a really strong, independent, powerful female, my mom, again, from that same small town in Martinsville, Indiana, my mom was traveling the world by yeah. herself. Like she was going to India with yeah. a backpack. Wow. Like my mom is a complete badass. We just left That's this awesome. meeting at lunch where we're planning our trip to Africa in so June. Cool. Like my mom is so cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of that served me for sure yeah. to feel invincible, maybe in a naive way. I mean, yeah. right? Yeah, but it's whatever, whatever works to get you like in terms of like your to get to your goals. Like if, you know, if, if blind confidence in yourself mm -hmm. is what you need, that's, that's cool. But as you know what else I'm being shitty to people. I don't I think oh, I'm right. not saying like, uh, no, no. the, whatever it takes, like don't step on people to get there. I don't believe in that oh, at God, all. God, no, but, that will always come back to bite you by yeah, the way. Yeah. It might be a short term win, but that will, that will come back and bite you for sure. And, um, yeah, I think the other thing that at that time I did have 10 years of experience. I was mm -hmm. on TV five days a week. I was doing live TV. I was doing mornings. I could kind of do anything at that point. So by the time I got the audition at E, I was in a room with a lot of nationally known faces and it was highly intimidating. Of course I was nervous. I can't even tell you how nervous I was for those auditions. Um, and I was a mom of two, mm -hmm. like I wasn't 22 and blonde with fake boobs, like a reality star. I was and like, I think that was pretty popular at the time, actually that look, because that would have been probably how many years ago was that? That was, well, by the time I got to E, that was about 2006. Was, okay. So I moved here in 2007 and I remember auditioning for various things like deal or no deal yes. models. And I would show up and I'd be like, this is, I'm not, come on. I don't look like these people. I'm not like, yeah. I'm a pretty girl, but I'm not like skinny with fake boobs and like I just that was very specifically that like host or whatever look that was going Big on time mm -hmm. that was like when Paris Hilton was the end-all be-all that was even a slightly before the Kardashians actually it was yeah right before they dropped but it just seemed like such a stretch but I did it anyway and the 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 response I got from those auditions was 
we like that you're a mom. We mm-hmm. like that you're relatable. We like, you actually have experience. You Makes know sense. what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so that served me in a big way. And who would have thought within three months after declaring I wanted to move to Hollywood, I got that job. And so we all picked up and we moved. And that was about 12 years ago, 13 years ago. As you guys may remember, a few weeks ago, I discovered Everlywell, the amazing at-home wellness test that helps you better understand your health. I received my Everlywell at-home lab test. I tested for myself. It's super easy. I took the um, food sensitivity one, and a few days ago, I received the results. I probably shouldn't have gluten. I get it. Um, but I'm feeling better now that I've cut it out a little bit. Like I'm, I'm understanding more of what my body can, you know, I, and I've kind of always known that, but I was never going to go to the doctor and actually get a test. But with Everly Well, it's, it's given me a positive new outlook on my health. And, and finally I have information that I can use and it was just super easy to do. And I'm all about like figuring out what makes your body feel better. So this was the best way for me to know like what I should and shouldn't be eating to feel my best, look my best. And Everly Well offers more than 30 different at-home lab tests from fertility to food sensitivity to thyroid and heart health. Each Everly Well test comes with super easy to follow instructions. Every test is physician reviewed and the shipping is free. And your results come from certified labs and they are sent directly to your mobile device so you can easily view and share them with your healthcare provider. That's super convenient. Your results are personalized and easy to understand so you know exactly what they mean for you. And so, and then they give suggestions about how you can change your behaviors. And I'm already feeling like I have more energy. I'm feeling less bloat. So to start better understanding your health like I did, check out Everly Well today. And I have an offer for you guys. For 15% off an Everly Well at-home lab test, visit everlywell.com slash be here and enter code be here. That's everlywell.com slash be here and enter code be here for 15% off your test. Everly Well at Home Lab Test, your answers, your way. It's, it's such an interesting story. So I know you don't have like a ton more time. So mm-hmm. I, now I want to jump to like when you, when you departed from, so this is another blind faith, like betting on yourself yeah. when you, and I just read your, the Vanity Fair article from like May. Mm-hmm. I think it was Vanity, wait, mm-hmm. no, page six. Or? There've been a couple essays I've written since. Yeah. Yes. And they're really, they're really well done. Um, so explain what happened, you know in when you decided to leave E. Yeah. It's so funny because we're talking about this now. It's been two years since I left, but the morning show just came on to Apple TV. Have you seen that yet? I haven't seen it yet. Okay. But Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, this is my life. Do you think they based it on you? Well, no, 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 no. Maybe. But my poor family there, I'm like, you don't understand. They're in a newsroom. This is how it goes. This is like, it's just, it's taking me back in so many ways. And Jennifer Aniston's scene where she's at the conference table with all white men going, you bozos have had the power long enough. I'm like, this is my life. Those are the things yeah. I wish I could have said. I think I said it in another way when I said, fuck you, I'm leaving. And then I told everyone exactly why. Is how you said it? Well, no. Oh, I uh, wish you would have. <laughs> no, but you know what it does for me? It reminds me how absolutely unapologetic I am about what I did. And mm-hmm. mind you, I'm a girl from the Midwest where you don't like to ruffle the boats. We don't like conflict. Confrontation is not embraced. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to be that girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty soft. Like, I think that's what hurt me actually, because I was there for 12 years. I knew it was a dream job. I knew anybody and everybody, all these girls coming up. E was the pinnacle for entertainment news, but I worked hard. I had an amazing personality and I should say attitude. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a team player. No one in 12 years would have ever said cat's a bitch or cat's a diva or Mm -hmm. cat's hard work. 
I was relentlessly a team player. Yeah. Um, and in the last year, I was doing both a new show called Daily Pop, which was so fun. It was live for two hours. It was point of view and interviews and reading the prompter. Um, but I was driving that show, which by the way, is hard work. Yeah. I was getting in earlier than I had ever gotten in. I was still carrying the weight of E! News with Jason Kennedy, mm -hmm. which was at least three days a week. So I had almost double the responsibility and an executive just pulled me into closed door meeting, a female executive and said, you should know that you were severely underpaid. This uh, was in February. That so was, she was like kind of trying to give you a warning of big sorts. time. Had, had the, uh, had the times up stuff come no. out yet? Okay. Mm -mm. No. Okay. So this is why I think my story got so much attention because it was my last year there. She had brought, she had brought the disparity to my attention and then because my contract would be expiring that year mm -hmm. and how it works on TV is it's like your team gets on the phone with business affairs or the network. They spend a couple months renegotiating your contract and then you keep it moving. And I had no reason to think I wouldn't be asked to stay because I was on two shows now. I was on air more than I'd ever been on the air. I was doing that work without asking for a raise. Mm -hmm. You know, here's a new show. Come in four hours earlier. There's no extra pay associated with that. Really? No. How is that possible? Because in news, it's kind of like you work under the umbrella of them going, we can have you do anything and everything we want you to do within these hours. Here's your deal. Mm -hmm. And we know that. And we know that going in. Sometimes it's a little more than we want it to be. But again, it's, it's, a, we're but not you like the job. So you're we're not, not laying bricks. Yeah. Right. So my team was like, just keep doing good work. Keep doing everything you do. Make yourself indisposable. Be great. I did all the things I knew I was supposed to do. And then we ask for what you're worth. And mm -hmm. my thing at that point irritated and frustrated and angry I was and, and embarrassed that I did not realize he was making double what mm -hmm. I was making. I just said, we'll ask for ballpark. We'll just, we'll ask it. We'll renegotiate it. It'll be fine. I really thought they would meet me there, mm -hmm. but they were not budging. They did not budge. Did the woman that brought you into the office tell you what he was making? Or I think I heard you on Heather's podcast. You asked him straight I did. up. I asked he, him. Okay. He told me he was very transparent, great friend, of course you should know here's the number. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was helpful. You know, those were the facts, mm -hmm. but it didn't matter. And so, um, so how long did it take from like, so you find this out, you, then you ask him, mm -hmm. how long did it take from that to when you walked out? I must have asked him in the spring, summer, and then my team and I kind of made our, our kind of strategy for the negotiations. Those must have started in August, September. We would go weeks without hearing anything and mm -hmm. I would get really frustrated. I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? And it's like, everything would just kind of drag and drag and drag. And by, I would say early November, mid November, mm -hmm. it was like my, my team was like, they're not moving. I mean, they gave me the, the standard incremental raise mm -hmm. I'd always gotten, but nowhere in the ballpark. So, and I told my team, just so you know, I yeah. said, if they don't get there, I'm done. Yeah. And my team was like, you don't really mean that. I'm like, no, no, I actually do. Yeah. That's how I was so sure of yeah. the unethical, like it was so wrong. I yeah. knew how hard I worked. I'm just not sure how they could say it to you with a straight face, mm -hmm. knowing that you know that that's what he's making and just be like, nah, still not, still not going to give you that. Like it was kind of a lot of, it's that, I think it's that 
gray cryptic like nobody's saying what actually needs to be said it's mm-hmm. like that stupid because i wasn't in a room with them until after the deal was done and it didn't go mm-hmm. anywhere that was when i could finally say what the hell like is he doubly good at the job like so in retrospect i feel a little um like again after watching this the morning show i, I wish i would have had the balls to mm-hmm. open the door and talk some shit yeah. you know what i mean because i let my team do the talking yeah. and that didn't get anywhere and then they were like we love cat i I'm so sick of hearing how much they love me. Do you know what I mean? We yeah. love cat. We love, I'm so tired of hearing that in yeah. this business. It's like, then pay me. Yeah. Like you have me on air more than anybody. I would travel the world. That's when it really started to hit home. I remember going to Dubai in October that year for this like fashion conference and he was seen around the world. And I remember the makeup artist going, oh my God, da, 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 I love you. Like people like in Dubai, I got stopped everywhere I went. Again, wow. the power of a cable network, right? Yeah. That's seen around the world. They love Hollywood. They yeah. love entertainment. And I remember the makeup artist doing my makeup and she's like, how's everything at E? And that's when I knew kind of the writing was on the wall and I might be leaving. And I remember saying, you know what? It's kind of not great. I, I don't know if I'm going to stay. And she was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? I said, well, you know, the it, would you believe it if I told you that the guy that I do the show with and she couldn't even come up with his name. And that's when I was like, they were like, who? What guy? What's his name? What white guy? Like, it's really funny. I couldn't come up with his name this morning when I was talking to my mom because my mom knows more about pop culture. And I was like, what do you think I should ask her? And she was like, well, she the she knew you, the, your story. And I was like, who, who, who was the co-host? I was like, was it Billy Bush? Was it a Bush? Was it like I literally could not. And listen, could not that is not a slam on yeah. Jason. He yeah. was one of my best friends. I love him. I think he's so talented. But what that is a reflection of is the value in the audience around mm-hmm. the world that was like, yeah, we're with you, girl. We love, yeah. E has a female audience and mm-hmm. all these females exactly. were like, you're my girl. I tune in for you. I like, I want to watch because you bring it to me and they couldn't remember his name. And, but yet in American westernized culture this pervasive discrimination is that it's all boys club it's all white men it's all the executives think he's the end all be all golden child because they play golf with him and that's how that shit works that's how, that's, so that's they're how like the comedy world, world works too ex- that's it's, how comedy works it's how tv works it's mm-hmm. how most industries mm-hmm. work and that is what we are trying to undo because yeah. that's not fair and that's not a reflection of actual value yeah and so in their minds they're like yes we ain't gonna pay her she's in her 40s she got two kids she's not gonna quit yeah we're and not were, gonna pay and you her were brave enough to do it and i did and, and they never saw it coming that's so crazy and and things have i mean in the article i read like you're basically back to making and uh, what you were making you feel better emotionally financially Ugh. everything it's it's how a li- has it changed your life yeah it's funny um gonna admit this i definitely turn on my google alerts google alerts for being mentioned in articles i know that sounds super narcissistic but i do that because i also have another business called the catwalk and so i do and i also have a branding business which most of my monetization these days is through this digital company so uh-huh. i am aware of when i'm in the press and i got a notification just even two days ago here we are two years later that said you won't believe what your favorite anchors make or something and there was this whole article saying well Kat Sadler said she made this much and he made this much and by the way 
all wrong. Yeah. It was like they were reporting it as complete fact. I've to this day never said what I made to the dollars and cents because I wasn't allowed to legally because yeah. my contract prohibited me from doing that. I could say he made double, but I couldn't say the dollars and cents. Mm -hmm. So that's funny to me how it still is kind of framed within the press. It's very mm -hmm. funny, you guys. Everything you read is not fact. Just a nice friendly reminder. Uh, what's that fake news? Um, but listen, how I get paid now is very different. I'm not making an exorbitant amount more than I made there, mm -hmm. but I am completely comfortable. I have the same lifestyle. I have been building my own brand through my website, through my mm -hmm. podcast, through social media. I am technically an influencer in the sense that, you know, I have a following that I, you know, can do sponsored posts, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and I have a team and I have a show, a TV show and a development. So I've been working on all these pockets of media to try and grow the next yeah. iteration of me. And, and I've been doing have, okay. And you probably wouldn't have had time for that if you were in that, that job. It's what oh, opened no. all the doors. It's like would yeah, not have time. Yeah. Having the time to breathe and none and try the things that well, are betting on yourself. It's like two, two sided one. You have a ton of security if you're with the corporation and mm -hmm. you're getting paid every two weeks, but it's also very limiting, right? I, I saw the world, I covered the Olympics. I saw Royal weddings. Like I'm not taking away from what that we life were you at one of the royal weddings? I was. I was at what Kate and Will's wedding, girl. That must have been cool. It was pretty cool. <laughs> I, I did have such great experiences through that job. Um, but now the flip side is I'm my own boss, back to being your own advocate, mm -hmm. living on your own terms, operating on your own rules. Like, I have this fire now that, you know, they're more of an entrepreneurial spirit than I ever had. Like mm -hmm. I was just, again, talking with my mom about my podcast my mom's huge in the charity world and she wants to go back to Africa at 71 years old. And so we were just She's packaging awesome. this film and this podcast series and her book and helping women in Nairobi. And we have all these ideas. I never would have done that before. Mm -hmm. And so now I feel like I'm being used. I have more of a purpose. Mm -hmm. um, back to the naked podcast that I have now, I just have people on who I want to have on. Not yeah. because they say, go interview this person. It's like, I know you know this. Mm -hmm. You can invite people to learn people's stories based on sheer curiosity. Totally. You know, I've had my my son's mom on because I love her and I want the world to know her. Yeah. And so I have that power. And by the way, I think people appreciate that. Yeah. Instead of the same That's thing. A great thing about podcasts. Yeah. yeah. It's not the same. Yeah. No, it's not people just being shoved down your throat and the same stories you have to hear about. It's like th this part of your story is more interesting to me than it, anything else. Really. I mean like you, your actual background, your stories fascinating like yeah. i had winnie mcclennan covey on and she from goldberg's and whatever she talked about like her struggles with like depression and stuff and yeah. it's like that's what i would rather hear yeah. about than just like you know your hair and makeup and whatever yeah. and some little clickbait soundbite yeah that's gonna get a lot of clicks because it was controversial and end up on the shade room or whatever yeah. like I get the appetite for that. I get escapism. I get why these things exist. Mm -hmm. But I do think people are craving more. Like mm -hmm. people care about like what you just said about hearing someone's story of depression because we're more isolated than ever. Technology makes mm -hmm. us more alone, even though we think we're, we're more connected. But if, if we're all sharing in this more open, raw, unfiltered way without any rules, like I think everybody's appreciating that a lot totally, more. Totally. And you I take that with you and you apply it to your own life and enough with the formalities and the it's just BS. I think people yeah. can read through it now. And that's basically what your podcast is kind of based on. It's like getting more raw and naked. Explain yeah. a little bit of that and then I know you have to go. And yeah, yeah. No, um, 
Naked was kind of born out of out of kind of the 180 of what I had been doing all those mm-hmm. years. I genuinely love women. I will always be a champion of them. That did start with my mom and her mm-hmm. charity, which is called Women Like Us. And so when I did leave and I realized 10 days after I left Time's Up was born mm-hmm. and it was like all these women came to the the surface. I'm upset in my job and I feel undervalued in my job and I'm not seen and I want to quit. I was like, I have a duty to kind of be this voice for women mm-hmm. and I'm going to ride this and I'm going to use my platforms to tell real stories for women. And again, not the the, the fake manufactured stuff, but like let's go in. And so naked was, sounds like naked, like take it all off, take the armor off. We take a little something physical off before Mm -hmm. at the beginning of every podcast, shoes, jewelry, makeup, whatever. I've had girls topless in my bedroom. We do it in my bedroom. (laughs) And I can't tell you how many people have said, I can't believe I'm telling you this. I can't believe I'm telling you this, but that's kind of the point. I love that. It's like, it's, it's like what we're doing. I mean, your place is super comfortable. I feel safe here. Mm-hmm. And that's the idea. I think people, the guests want to feel safe. They want to have a place to actually share their stories, feeling confident that I'm not going to rip it off and turn it into a headline and be like, you know, make it something it's not. And I think the audience wants to feel less alone and, and, and feel connected to, to people in different ways. And I love that I'm introducing them to new people that they didn't know. I've had a couple authors on that I love, um, that, that might not, you know, they're not going to be on entertainment tonight, tomorrow, but they're just as valuable and interesting and fascinating. And so it's been great. I mean, I'm only five months in, I'm a newbie, you're a pro, but, um, but I, it's really good. I mean, I've been listening. Yeah, it's really good. Thank you. I really love it. I want people to come and find us, please. It is, you know, it's a little heavier. I am doing a spinoff. Um, Naked with Cat Sadler are these these guests with these remarkable stories. But I'm going to start doing something called Naked with Me, mm-hmm. which is a little bit more about just my life and being a mom of teenagers. I'm, I've been married oh, twice. I've got like a lot of things yeah. I want to share. I kind of operate in optimism. So I have, I have some cat formations, I call them. I want to share that. and inspire people. So I'm going to do a, a shorter version that's more just about some some of my truths um bi-weekly also as I a, think kind that's of a really great I think a lot of my listeners are mothers and, and would totally relate to that oh good yeah good so, good I mean well, I'm gonna you. do it if they like it great <laughs> we'll find out whatever I think yeah. they will yeah well, thank you so much for doing this no this you're really great nice. oh thank you and I, you tell your mom you did real good <laughs> and you shouldn't have been nurse didn't need to be <laughs> thank you you're really sweet. oh tell them where they can find you on social media yes so my Instagram is I am Kat Sadler and uh, we do have a naked pod instagram just at naked pod don't have a lot of people there yet so guys please follow me and of course as you well know because your podcast people just you know the rates the ratings and the reviews really do matter yeah, and learning do. that and the subscriptions and all that stuff so that is very very appreciated and i do read a lot of those so again like i just said we have the spinoff it's kind of happening because of the things people have said that they want more of so um leave us comments and thanks for listening time is valuable so i do appreciate it i love that all right thank you thank you Thank you. Bye.